This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Homeschooling with Technology show. Your host, Meryl Vandermerva, loves using technology to streamline her life and to make lessons more engaging. She is a graduated homeschool mom and teaches homeschoolers at her local co-op classes and online at fundafundaacademy.com. Whether you are tech-challenged or someone who loves technology, this show is for you. And here's your host, Meryl Vandermerva. Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling with Technology podcast. I'm your host, Meryl Vandermover, and today in episode 249, we're going to be talking about digital musical music production. And I'm very excited to have a guest with us today because I know nothing about music or digital music production. And my guest today is Brent Daniels. Welcome, Brent. Hi, Meryl. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. So before we get into the topic, I want Brent to tell you a little bit about himself and how he got involved with teaching homeschoolers, because at the end of this episode, I'm going to let him tell you about the class that he actually teaches. And if you've been excited by the things he's saying, you may well want to look into that. But for now, Brent, just tell us how have you got involved in the homeschool world at all? It's interesting. So I'm a, um, I'm not actually a teacher, technically. I mean, I don't, it's not my career path. Um, I'm a music producer and composer and a sound designer. So I actually come into the education market from the or the education world from the uh, music industry side of um, making music for TV shows and movies and video games. And so I've been doing that for over 25 years. And in the last six to seven years, I kind of moved over into the advertising side of music production for games and movies and TV shows. So uh, mostly because I just really enjoy working in that format and and um, it is a, a great area to play in for me as a composer and sound designer because I get to make a lot of really interesting or cool, unique sounds using technology. Uh, so it's just a lot of fun. Um, and so that means making music for tra trailers. So you'd see music or you'd hear my music in trailers for movies or TV shows or video games. Um, for example, just, just tell everybody about your latest one. I know the, the movie will be out by the time this airs, but it will just come out so they can still find the trailer. So what is it, your latest one you've been working on? Yeah, so I did the music for um, some of the trailers for Killers of the Flower Moon, which is a uh, joint venture between Paramount Pictures and Apple Original Films. Apple's making their own movies now for their streaming service. So that's actually coming out in theaters in the U.S. in uh, mid-October. Right. Um, so that, that was really exciting because it's one of my favorite directors, Martin Scorsese. And I understand you're reading the book. I haven't read it. I am. Yet. I nearly finished it. So for those of you who haven't read it, read the book before you go watch the movie. But it is a slightly forgotten story in history and that I think it's well worth um, learning about. Yeah, so from the, both the historical and the cinematic standpoint, I'm excited to see it. But it's exciting to be part of stuff like that. So that's what I've been doing for the last couple decades of, of my career. But concurrent to that, I have been involved in education all along the way, just not as a teacher. And I don't, uh, I didn't go to school to study to be a teacher. I just like sharing information. It's just part of my personality. So uh, whether I'm in the studio with a peer working on a track or I'm working with um, you know, a family member and showing them how to do something, 
I like sharing information. So it turns out that just part of my my vocation, I guess, is is sharing how things work uh, in things that I'm in areas that I'm interested in. And one of those areas is both music and technology. So all along the way in my music career, I've been actually doing live workshops and live virtual events like school assemblies, uh, STEM or STEAM days or career days with like seventh or eighth graders, but always in like a kindergarten through 12th grade area, not really higher ed and not really for individuals or corporations, just events for specifically schools, which is a really interesting performance market. So this is actually the studio in which I work and I make all my music. So you can see here that I've got for example, this is all the stuff that I would show students in a live event, but it's also stuff that I use uh, to make music, say, for that that Martin Scorsese uh, trailer. So this is a production environment, but it's also a broadcast environment for me to work with students. So all along during the school year, September through through June, usually in the United States, I am doing uh, workshops and live events uh, while the students are in school. They might have my program uh, projected on a big screen in the auditorium or they'll be using their classroom devices. And uh, so I've always worked with students as alongside of my music career as well, just not as a teacher. And that led me to, in the last year, basically taking one of my uh, series of workshops that I do, I do several, and one of them is is about music production and how we produce music for really anything. I happen to be doing it in my career for uh, marketing and for advertising for video games and movies, but I'm a songwriter and a recording artist so and a remixer, so I use it for those purposes as well, this, this software that we use. And students have access to all these tools now. It's it's very affordable. Uh, some of it's free. A lot of them have devices issued either by their schools or if they're homeschoolers, they've already got a device they're using for, for right. virtual learning in the first place. So they're already probably equipped. And the music production workshops that I do, uh, I have a syllabus I run for that or that I use for that. And it was very easy for me to adapt that to an on-demand model for the homeschool market. So that's what I did. I made a pro, uh, a, mm -hmm. a fairly comprehensive course uh, with 16 lessons, over eight hours of video content and, and quizzes and assignments uh, to learn how to start with a like a laptop like this and end up with a finished piece of music or a podcast or a soundtrack for a game, or maybe you're making a ringtone. It's a lot of stuff you can do. So, okay, so then let's get into our topic here. Um, why would you encourage children to actually learn digital, digital music production? So, I mean, you know, there may be people listening out there whose kids have expressed some interest already, but likely most people haven't actually thought about this as a creative outlet. Well, I think uh, I would encourage uh, anyone to take up the mantle of music production or let's say audio content creation, because there's a lot you can do with the software beyond just making a song. You could use it to edit audio or make sound effects, anything in the audio realm. So anyone who has an interest in doing that absolutely should give it a shot. Um, but there is also a correlation between uh, good um, or let's say uh, academic performance in other subjects and studying music. Now, my course isn't necessarily about learning an instrument, although the computer 
is an instrument when you're making music with it. Mm -hmm. It's not, but it's not a piano lesson or learning to play violin. Still, it's music related, and there are concepts in math. There are concepts in physics, how sound works, the science of sound. There are concepts in um, uh, in, in in numerous areas uh, that a student might benefit from taking a course or working in the creative realm because it's going to positively impact their other studies. So that's one reason to encourage anyone to do anything creative or learn an instrument. Um, it is also, I think, more common nowadays than ever before for students, depending on how in that particular household, when they're using devices, they're already using them as creative tools, whether that's using an editing application like like CapCut to make videos and edit videos together, or whether they're using GarageBand, which is a free digital audio workstation for making music that comes on any iOS device or iPad or, or, or with a Mac. Students are already creating stuff. Young people are already creating things in a way that when I was younger was just not possible because the technology didn't exist. So there are a lot of tools that they're already engaging in that are parallel to or offshoots of that's kind of software we use to create music. They might already be doing it and not just even know it has a name. They might not be, they might not know that they're already using a digital audio workstation. If they're using GarageBand, they're just like, I'm making beats. Well, you're using a creative tool that every composer, music producer on the planet uses to make all the music you hear on TV or on the radio or as the underscore for a film that you're watching. So what is a good age to start if children haven't just naturally drifted into this? Well, I think that it, it is, given the technical nature of using software and producing music, I would say maybe 10 or 11. So mm -hmm. maybe, you know, maybe a fourth grader, fifth grader. Uh, just because of some of the the, the language and the t and, and the technical aspects right. of it, you know, understanding what sound is. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to be a music producer. There are technical concepts and some science that that uh, there are some technical, scientific, and mathematical underpinnings. Let's say with music, but not everyone is is an expert in those areas. I'm not a physicist. I do understand how sound works, which I learned about in seventh grade, for example. That was my right. beginning and in getting into the world of what sound is. That said, um, there are also um, a, a lot of young people that might just start plunking around on an instrument when they're nine or 10, which I did in second grade. And I started piano lessons in fourth grade. Now, had I had a digital audio workstation when I was 10 years old that I had access to, and not, you know, the professional version that I use for that, you know, modern day Brent uses for making uh, music mm -hmm. for Paramount, um, but like the version that any 10 year old can use on a Chromebook like so let's say Bandlab or Soundtrap, one of which is free and the other one which is kind of freemium, very affordable. I would absolutely say get in there and play around. You don't have to be an expert to just start making a beat. And some of these more simple browser-based versions of the software are, are in fact tuned for younger users who don't have a lot of skills in music. It also might encourage them as they're, as I do in my in the course I put together, uh, encourage students to begin learning an instrument because it's only going to enhance their ability to create music if that's their goal in using a digital audio workstation, this software. So I'd say that age is a kind of a good place to start. There's no reason you can't start them e even younger, depending on you know what their their capacity is. 
or their interest, certainly if they're interested in it, set them free, <laughs> let them go play. You know, they might, they, it, they might really take to it. So okay, you've answered my one question was, do you need to be able to play a musical instrument to actually do this? And you pretty much have said no, that it might actually lead into playing a musical instrument. But how about just the, um, that general sort of musical ability? I have none. <laughs> so, um, you know, can someone like me still get something out of learning? And would I still, you know, be able to do a certain amount, even though um, I'm not going to be hired by Martin Scorsese for his next movie, movie anytime soon? <laughs> well, Meryl, though, you are, you are, you are having me on your podcast and your podcast is an audio and visual uh, medium. Right. And you- It's not music though. <laughs> point, true, true. But it, it lives in the audio realm. So you're dealing with sound, you're dealing with levels, you're dealing with an, a final output, which has, you know, even if there is no bumper music on the front end and front and back end that you've made or, or licensed, you are dealing with processing the audio for this video. So taking that as an example, there is, or there are a, a, a number of paths one can take in using the software. I'm a music producer and a composer, and I work in a niche of a niche currently um, in the entertainment industry. It is the same software though that's being used by someone whose lane is strictly like in the remix lane, like they're Diplo and they remix, all they, they, they're known for doing remixes. So you have different ways you can use this technology. That's just the music side. But again, you could be a sound designer for television and film. If you're a sound designer, you're using a digital audio workstation to create sounds. For making sound effects for a Sony, for a PS5 game, you're using the same software. You might not be creating a piece of music with a three-act structure, but you're making a sound that has layers and uses effects and, and deals with pitch and volume and the other aspects uh, of sound. So there are, and if you're making a podcast to just cap that off, you are processing the audio with a digital audio workstation of some form, even if it's, if it's very simple. So different ways that you can use the software, even if you're not intending to be a music producer. That said, if you play around with it, you might find you, you would just be edified by using it going, oh, I, I kind of see how they make that sound now or what, oh, that's mm -hmm. reverb. Oh, great. That, that taught me something about the kind of room I should be in when I'm recording my podcast. There are a lot of ways that it can be useful even if you don't want to be use, use it as a profession. Most students who are in, uh, let's say a traditional, call it a brick and mortar school, I'm not sure what we call that, but uh, a, a, a school that you go to, if they have an orchestra or, or a band uh, opportunity in seventh or eighth grade, most of those students aren't going to join their local orchestra when they're older as a mm -hmm. profession, but that's not why they're taking, right. taking it, right? So it's same concept. And I'll say finally about the thing about the uh, needing to, to be able to play an instrument. The computer itself is an instrument. So it does host virtual instruments in this digital audio workstation. So you can have virtual versions of what you see here in front of you, like this synthesizer or this drum machine. These devices exist virtually. Hey, you didn't know you were gonna get music in this podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> These devices exist virtually in the digital audio workstation. So certainly if you know how to play the keyboard, that's helpful if you're making music. And if you're a music producer, it's kind of your job to have some kind of musical background because your job is to put the entire piece of music together. You need to be musically informed. Um, that said, there are a lot of producers who don't 
have traditional skill set. They're not classically trained, uh, but they use the uh, the tools in 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 their own way. It's helpful if you want to write a song. If you're a singer songwriter, you should probably learn how to play guitar or piano so you can write your song. But some people are just lyricists. And I don't mean just to diminish it. I just mean there are mm -hmm. different lanes right. in the music industry. I have a collaborator I work with whose job is writing the lyrics. And then I'm the, the producer and the composer. And then we split the uh, licenses when we license a piece of music. So learning a bit about some element of the music production process is very helpful and dependent on what your goal is. For a, a, a young person starting out, they might not know what their goal is, but getting in there what might define the goal for them and just playing around. They'll figure it out eventually. All right. So that comes to my last sort of main question here. And I'm going to like take notes so that um, for all of those of you listening, if you're listening while driving the car or something, the show notes should be just straight below the podcast episode. Just scroll down. Otherwise, you can go to homeschoolingwithtechnology.com and you'll find them there. So my question to you is now, on the actual software. You've mentioned a whole lot. GarageBand is what I use for my podcast. So I know about that one. I've heard of some of the others. But if someone's starting out, what would you suggest they start with? And then what would you suggest students who've maybe already played around with those should progress to? Just starting out for anybody, I'd recommend something that has no financial investment. So right. something that's free or or almost free. So, in the, and that's really kind of platform dependent. So if right. you're on a Mac or iOS, GarageBand is kind of a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes free, again, with iOS or Mac OS. If you're on Windows, um, I might recommend, or you're using like Chrome OS on a, on a laptop, I'd recommend, and this would go for Mac as well, I'd recommend uh, BandLab or Soundtrap. BandLab, I believe, is free. Soundtrap might be a, for students, a is a reduced monthly fee. Um, but BandLab being completely free, I tried out. It's browser-based. It's a very low barrier to entry because there's nothing to install and it runs mm -hmm. on any system, oh, uh, Linux nice. included. Um, if you want to then say, jump up a level and have more features, which is what you get from something that's mm -hmm. beyond a browser-based uh, or GarageBand, beyond GarageBand, then you're looking at spending a little bit, maybe a hundred to $200 us or maybe maybe 50 to 200 and you have different options there um you might be looking at logic pro on the mac that's what i use uh as a for all my music and sound design uh a industry standard for music production and recording in both the music production world but the recording and mixing in the post-production world where they mix sound for movies is pro tools that is uh owned by avid and that is a subscription model. A lot of these developers have moved to subscription models. Mm -hmm. like, like Adobe, yes, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not as big of a fan of Pro Tools, but if you walked into us, because I use Logic mm -hmm. Pro, um, and it does what I need it to do, but um, Pro Tools is an example on the, and that's cross-platform on Mac or Windows. And uh, another one to jump to would be FL Studio. That's a, another popular one. An additional popular choice uh, could be, I would say, there's so many. There's so many. Um, I don't think you can really go wrong with the ones I mentioned. Okay. Uh, that will give everybody I, a good start. Yeah. There is one I will mention that is also cross-platform, just uh, that is 
has a really robust free version without very many limitations. Mm -hmm. And that is called waveform free. And there's a pathway to getting a uh, more full featured version of that through uh, paying for an upgrade. But the free version comes with a lot of templates to get you started and hosts virtual instruments. It would be a place to start if you're want to have more of a professional tool starting out that's free. But I would say for someone who's a complete newbie, it's a little kind of overwhelming. So I would, if you're okay. a complete total newbie, I would start with GarageBand, BandLab, or Soundtrap because okay. they kind of do some handholding on your way in. Okay. All right. Now to finish up, can you tell my listeners where they can find you and where they can find your class and a little bit about your class? Sure. So you can find me just by searching for Brent Daniels on the internet. Um, my website is brentdanielsmusic.com. That'll probably come up if you type in Brent Daniels, although there's an Australian uh, footballer with the same <laughs> name. So, but I'm obviously not a football player. Um, and so you can see my trailers there and, and, and uh, see more of my work and read about me there. Uh, the course is uh, uh, available uh, with a company which will, you'll be speaking with soon called Mr. D Math. They're a company that works serving the homeschool market. And uh, I partnered with them for this because that is kind of their expertise in providing uh, online courses for which students can get credit. Um, right. And so the course is available through, through that website. I believe it's in their course catalog. Right. It's Yeah, and this would be a fantastic um, visual arts credit um your fine arts on visual arts fine arts fine arts credit um for high school so for an elective credit uh this will be fun i think for high schoolers and also it will get them a credit so go and check those out i will have the link to those also as said down below in the show notes or at homeschoolingwithtechnology.com well brent thank you so much for spending time and talking to us about this uh you have a fascinating career Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. And thank you so much for all you do in serving students in the world. And good luck to you. And thank you all for listening in again. I will see you again, same time, same place next week. Thanks for tuning in to Homeschooling with Technology with Meryl Vandermerva. Visit her at fundafundaacademy.com and homeschoolingwithtechnology.com. Homeschooling with Technology is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.